Today we're talking about selling through story and making yourself a more dynamic speaker, whether you're in front of crowds or recording a video at home. And we're also diving into extremely high level negotiating tactics that you do not want to miss. Don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan here, really excited. Our guest today will be Majid Mogarabhan, and he, wow, he dropped so much gold, as you can probably tell by the link to this interview, that I just kept that record button going for as long as I could. And really, uh, it's something where the direction of the conversation went where I wasn't expecting it to, but once I pulled a couple of threads, I knew that I wanted to follow down a certain path because I knew that the value that Majid was delivering was that good. And uh, this, especially in the beginning of the interview, will be another example why my book, It Doesn't Matter What You're Selling, devoted so much energy and attention to storytelling and to the value of it. But a little bit later on, you're going to hear Majid's take on negotiation, and uh, he'll give you even a couple of his scripts that he uses from his book, and you're going to be blown away. That's all I can say. So with that said, I am wasting no more time. We are diving right in. You guys are really going to enjoy this one. Today's guest is a world-traveling dad, a best-selling author, a professional speaker, and even a self-described karaoke enthusiast. He's helping others grow their business through public speaking. His zone of genius is sales and marketing through the art of storytelling. And he's seen a lot since his first days as an entrepreneur at only 16 years old. Majin Magaraban, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Well, thank you for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm super amped. And I'll tell you something, I, I believe in full transparency with my audience. So just to drop a little props off right now, um, you are the world record holder for questions that you asked prior to the interview in an attempt to deliver as much value as possible. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, I, I want people to know that beforehand because I think, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with guests that don't do that. But I think sometimes people, they'll hear an interview and they hear a conversation and sometimes they don't realize how intentional people are when they're trying to deliver that value. And I know in the research that I've done on you that you really know your stuff. So this is just my way of, of reminding listeners, like, listen to this dude and listen to what he says right here. He's well prepared, he's well versed, and he's got like a lot of value to offer. And um, with that out of the way, it's, it's like I almost don't know where to begin because there's so many rabbit holes to go down. But I did want to bring up in my research, I did find out that, you know, you started in business at 16 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, looking back on that, were, were there any like hard lessons that you learned in the very beginning that you still apply to what you teach people today? The hard lessons in the beginning. Well, you know, my strength and my weakness is a uh, dangerous confidence in starting without a whole lot of information. So I bought this business that I had no idea how to run and hired people that I had no idea how to manage. And you end up making a lot of mistakes and you make a mess. That's where the pain comes in. But in cleaning up the mess, you figure it out and you learn by doing. And so I think entrepreneurs have a combination of optimism, creativity, and boldness that allows us to start things. And so then the pain comes when you got to figure it out when you don't do it right the first way. So that's really the lesson I learned in my first business. Mm -hmm. Got it. And you've been learning a lot since then. I mean, damn, 16. I got to, again, got to drop props on you. And I know your, your current venture right now is you're helping people grow through, through public speaking. And we talked a little bit about this. <clears throat> You're really big into the art of storytelling, which really resonates with me. You know, in, in my own book that I wrote, storytelling is one of the key chapters because <clears throat> it's so critical, I think, in order to access the human mind in a way that it's going to be receptive and engaging and interesting. And I think oftentimes 
people don't really appreciate how powerful that is because stories seem so simplistic and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of effort to them if they're told really well. And I was curious, you know, when, when you're running with people, is that what you lead with? Do you lead with storytelling or do you lead with a different skill set when you're helping them with public speaking? You know, story is such a huge part of connecting with the audience for a number of reasons, connecting emotionally, connecting visually, so you really have their attention. When you tell a story and your audience is paying attention, if you scanned your brain and scanned the audience's brain, you would see that the brain waves are synchronized between the storyteller and the listener. Mm. Having and keeping their attention is an important part of being effective as a public speaker. Then they see what you say. So imagine a projector starts and it projects an image into the mind of the audience. They see what you are projecting. So if I say, you know how when you get on the bus and you drive down to downtown and then you get off the bus, you just pictured your bus and your downtown in your head when I said the word imagine. So storytelling has this power to really guide the audience on a journey that they can see and feel. And then you can lead them to the conclusion that you need them to conclude to take the action that you need them to take. Because real effectiveness in public speaking is getting people to take action. And story happens to be the best way to do that. So it's a great tool for leadership. It's a great tool for sales. And when you incorporate story into your sales process and your sales thinking, and you have the right stories for the right moments, it makes sales a lot more easy and fun. Mm. Now you, you use the word process. I'm curious, is there a, a process or a typical framework for storytelling that, or story that you teach people? Or does it really depend on the specific scenario? There is one framework that I think is powerful. It's, it's very, very powerful to get people to make the decision to buy from you. So the speech has to, the story has to connect to the audience, whoever's listening, so that the audience feels that the speaker understands who they are and where they're at, okay? And that they, they need to feel understood and that they need to feel that the speaker has the solution that they're looking for. So here's the framework. Imagine there's two islands, Pain Island and Pleasure Island. Imagine you're stuck on Pain Island where life is hard and there are troubles and it hurts and it's frustrating and it makes you angry. Then you see in the distance, Pleasure Island, your dreams come true. Lush green palm trees on Pleasure Island and the problem is solved, your dreams have come true, but you don't know how to get to Pleasure Island. You're on Pain Island. So the framework is you tell the story of how you came from Pain Island to Pleasure Island, how you overcame all the challenges of the problems, you solved the problems. That's the story. It's a journey. And then you say, man, I've solved this problem for myself. I could solve it for other people. So you built a boat to go back to Pain Island to explain to the people of Pain Island how to get to Pleasure Island and offer them a ride on your boat. So imagine your customers are people on Pain Island looking for you, trying to get to Pleasure Island. You got the boat. You tell them the story of how you were able to get from Pain Island to Pleasure Island. And then you tell them the story about how you were able to help someone else, another member of Pain Island. You tell a story about, you know, here's a customer came to me and said, this is what I call the success story framework. Okay, I'm about to teach you the success story framework. Client comes to me and says, man, I got this problem. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. And you say, don't worry. I know exactly what to do. Would you like my help with that? They said, yes, please help me. So you help them. They solve the problem. And then they said to you, man, you changed my life. The framework there is specific client with specific problem at a specific time says to you these specific words, produce this specific result, and then they said these words to you at the end. I'll give you an example. A productivity coach for executives tells this story. 
So a CEO of a large organization hired me to help him with time management. And when I arrived at his office, I could tell, I could see the papers on the floor, on the desk. I could see post-it notes everywhere. I could tell there was a big problem. I said, all right, let's get to work. So we started working and got him organized. About a week later, um, I said, you know, how's, how's the, the time management going? He says, it's great. I'm leaving the office every day at five o'clock for once. I used to be staying here until six, seven, eight in the night. And it's great. So a couple of weeks goes by and this coach gets a letter in the mail with the last name of the client, but a different first name. It's a woman's first name. She opens it up and it's a thank you card from the client's wife. And inside it was written, it says, thank you for giving me my husband back. And then she says to the audience, so that's what I do. I help CEOs uh, manage their time better so that they can do the things that are most important to them. And now every CEO in the audience is going, geez, I need to hire her. My wife's going to love her. And that's a story. And you can see the office with the post-it notes and the papers, and you can see the, the card and you can see the words and the words exemplify the results. It's not just that the CEO saved time. It was more organized, but it's that it solved a deeper, more important problem. Right. I, I was just about to say that, by the way, I love how you really address the problem behind the problem, because mm -hmm. I, I imagine a lot of people that are starting out in that field, they're just telling people, hey, save more time. It'll be great. And it's not really speaking to the issue, the way getting your spouse back, the way your, your family and your life beyond work might be effective. And I love how you just you automatically default to that, which I think a lot of people miss when they're starting out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You call it the problem behind the problem. I call it the benefit behind the benefit. Same idea. The benefit was he's saving time. The benefit behind the benefit is he's saving his marriage. Mm -hmm. And when you can see that for your client and tell that story and they can feel it, they go, man, I want that. That's how you sell with a story. So elements of a good story are one, they have a dialogue where characters are speaking. When characters are speaking in the story, you know, the CEO, he looked up to me and says, I need your help. I don't know what to do. Look, I'm, I'm buried in these papers. Um, when you have dialogue, it feels like you're in the scene. You want to be able to see the scene, smell the scene, hear the scene, feel like you're in the moment with the storyteller. And when you really want to get into it, you tell it in presence tense. I'm standing there. He's looking at me. I'm looking right back at him. Mm -hmm. Present tense really brings you into the moment. So storytelling skills are, first of all, learnable. And when you get better at telling stories, you have the most valuable commodity of the audience. You have their attention. Yes. And I imagine they're, you know, talking about like the benefit behind the benefit for the public speaker telling this story, there's a benefit because when they're telling the story themselves, their brains are engaged in a new way and they're more emotive. Their body moves in a different way. There's a different inflection to their voice. Exactly. They're re-experiencing it. Mm -hmm. You can feel how they feel about it. I love it. I love it. You know, um, they say... They don't remember, you won't remember what they said, but you will remember how they made you feel. Mm -hmm. And so when you want to sell with your speech and your story, the way you want to do the feelings is imagine you're in control of the audience's feelings and you can bring them on a roller coaster. You can bring them up, you can bring them down. When you bring them up, you flood them with dopamine and they laugh and they're happy and they're smiling. And when you bring them down, you flood them with cortisol and stress and fear and sadness and you can make them cry and you can make them laugh when you sell with the stories and for them to feel that range of emotion with you really accelerates bonding it's like you didn't meet this guy never heard this guy before he takes stage 10 15 20 30 minutes later you're like man i love this guy i want to hire him how do you do that you take them on an emotional journey and then when they think about the problem they think about not having a solution from you. When they think about having a solution with you, they imagine their, their life with the problem solved. Mm -hmm. So you do that in a story and you say, 
Let me give you an example. Client comes to me with a problem very similar to the problem you probably have. Here's the story of how we solved that problem and how now that client is now living your dream. And then you say, yeah, so that's what I do. So if anybody wants my help with that, let me know. And so they get to imagine what it would be like to hire you just by paying attention to the story. And if they like the sounds of that, that's your ideal client in the audience who currently has the problem that you solve, who is currently looking for a solution to that problem and is literally standing, sitting in front of the person who has the expertise that they need. They're like, geez, I just wanna hire this guy. That's your ideal client in the audience, the one that you should be ethically, you should be helping them make the decision to buy from you because you have the solution that they need. Right. So that's what I teach and that's what I um, help my clients with is when they have an opportunity to speak in front of an audience that may include some ideal clients, that they tell the stories and give the speech that would attract those ideal clients to want to work with them without some sort of a salesy, pushy, run to the back of the room kind of sales pitch, which is kind of, you know, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. You can give a great speech that's value packed and entertaining and gets your ideal clients who are in the audience ready to want to work with you. Right. What, what I love about this skill set that you're describing is obviously it applies to being on stage, but you know, this also sounds to me like this applies to webinar, but also even applies to people that aren't even public speakers. I could imagine just a sales guy who does cold calling learning from you because you know, when he gets a, a thing like, why should I buy from you? Or they get, they, they ask a, a frequently asked question. Most people think to answer with straight words versus answering with a story. It's like right, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Because the reason people make a buying decision emotionally and they justify it logically. And the emotional decision happens when they get in touch with how they would feel with the problem solved and want that more than how they feel now. And a good salesperson or a good story will help them amplify the pain that they're currently experiencing, really get in touch with the pain that they're experiencing with their problem and really get in touch with the desired state, the desired feeling of the problem solved through story. And it's very powerful. It's powerful in discovery calls, strategy calls, sales calls, sales conversations. It's powerful in presentations. And whenever you're even making a video for your social media, when you tell these stories, imagine your ideal client paying attention, watching the video and feeling and seeing the journey from someone who has the problem that he has right now to being a person who doesn't have that problem anymore. And he's like, ah, I want that. Mm. Now, there's an obvious difference between being on stage in the room with people and being on a webinar or pre-recording a, you know, an, um, a presentation or whatever. But, but, you know, with that in mind, I'm curious, are there subtle differences in those that people don't think about that are there's certain strategies or certain things they should be aware of that they just they normally just it wouldn't come to mind for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I probably have 10,000 hours of online training, Skyping, Zooming, coaching, group calling, tech, remote speaking, okay? And it, it's a rabbit hole of what you can do with the tools and the software. Um, but there are a couple of fundamental things when you think about the psychology of the different mediums. So you've got webinars, you've got live rooms, you've got recordings, videos. You've, you've got to think about the context they are in. For example, when I make a Facebook live video, and this is what I advise all my clients to do, if you're making a, a video on Facebook and it's live, what you're doing is you're trying to get people's attention while they're scrolling through their feed. That's the context under which they're about to discover your speech, your video. And so you have to bias those first five seconds, those first, the first one second towards getting their attention. So you think about getting their attention on that context. Another context is a webinar where people are subscribing and showing up and they expect it to be probably about an hour. In that context, you're, what you got to do is keep getting their attention, keep bringing them back, bring them back into the chat box, bring them back into with a question, bring them back with, um, you know, a story. 
So the, the mediums are very distracted. We're on podcasts right now, and podcasts tend to be 20, 30, 40, sometimes even 60 minutes of prolonged listening to conversation. So it's a bit of a different attention span. So we can go a bit deeper in our conversations. So those are the different kind of considerations that you would have across different platforms. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I love the way you say that because it's an obvious thing, but people don't think about like those first five seconds. When you're on stage, you obviously can't be flapping your arms around because people are going to think you're ridiculous. Whereas you might need a dramatic headline or a dramatic, you know, just first eight words on that Facebook video that people get that value so they know they're going to stick around for the rest of it. Here's a, here's a little tip for titling your posts, your videos. Don't title with a summary of the answers and exactly what it is. Title with something that's going to get them intrigued to stop and turn on the sound of your video. Mm -hmm. So I just, my last video was, I titled it, uh, A Question About Questions, live from the Apple Store. And I start my first one or two seconds where I'm like spinning around the Apple Store and I'm showing off the new, the new gear at the Apple Store, right? And then I say, in this video, I'm going to, uh, a client of mine asked me about how to ask questions or how to answer questions in a speech. And in this video, I'm going to teach you how to answer questions in your speech. And so there's a lot going on that I'm leveraging just to get their attention. Because one, people are paying, paying attention right now to new iPhone launch. Mm -hmm. Two, what's this? The title says question about questions live from the Apple store. What, what is that? I got to know. And now I have them doing step one, which is to turn on the sound and pay attention. Then in the next five to 15 seconds, I have to win them to decide if they want to stay as long as the number in the lower right corner says the video is. So if the video says like two and a half minutes, it's like, well, you can just stop and just watch it. Right. But I'm saying like in this video, I'm going to show you how to. So I'm trying to keep their attention. Right. And then I give them some value and then I give them a call to action. Simple as so that. That's, that's a little mini speech. It's, it's funny you say that because that in and of itself can be extended into a big speech. It's the same framework, right? Absolutely. If I had, if I had a half an hour or an hour or even a half a day to expand on the tip that I was giving in two and a half minutes live from the Apple store, definitely you can expand on it. But what's cool, Andrew, is that video right now, that speech is going on an international speaking tour on other people's screens. So I like to think about the fact that I'm speaking on stages where it is other people's screens right now. And so it's a really interesting time to be a speaker because you can create this content and share it around the world. Um, With, with basically you've got your international broadcast studio that fits in your pocket, your 4K HD broadcast studio that is your smartphone. So it's a good time to be a speaker. I love it. You know, it's so funny because my brain, it, it works in so many ways. And I, I've, I've written so much copy and, and done so much into marketing that my brain is always like targeting bullet points. And as you were saying that answer, I, I know like there's that typical like make money in your sleep. But it sounds to me like if someone like was selling your service, it can be like a bullet point could be like, go how to go on tour while you're asleep, how to go on international tour while you're asleep. Because <laughs> yeah. like, you're right, I never thought of it that way. You, by recording that video and putting it in a format, in a medium that's international, you're putting yourself on tour while you're you know busy making eggs and bacon in the morning and your video is on the other side of the world, connecting with somebody and selling what you have to offer. So, um, question for you. <clears throat> yeah. Obviously, you know, right now, I mean, you, you've done a lot of businesses and a lot of marketing, a lot of different things. People come to you right now for public speaking. What is the number one challenge that you are seeing in new clients when they come to you? You know, in my, my clients tend to be uh, clinician entrepreneurs, naturopathic doctors, functional medicine doctors. I, I have this niche of doctors and I have a bunch of coaches, consultants. So small business owners around the six figures wanting to get to the seven figures, but lean, pretty lean. So the problem is always 
time. Mm -hmm. Too many things going on to run the business, too many different marketing efforts that are, you know, half-assed and not really strategic and not consistent. And the dreams of these automated funnels that automatically make uh, leads and clients come up, you know, so they go down a lot of different rabbit holes and they take a bunch of different courses. What I have found is the, the reason why people come to me is I have a very simple solution to this problem, which is to have a signature speech to a target audience of ideal clients that consistently brings in sales leads and, and, and is the most effective marketing strategy for a personal brand that for people who also like to speak, like if you don't like to speak, it's not the most effective thing because it's no fun. But if you like to speak and you want to do more speeches and grow your business at the same time, it's a great strategy. Right. I love it. And you use the word, uh, I'm assuming it wasn't a Freudian slip, automagically. <laughs> I did say automagically. Um, it's a fun way to say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but you know, it's, it's funny because like I hear that. This is great. I think um, you've been doing this so long, man. Sometimes you, you get these great words and this great way of phrasing things that, that people don't realize. Like that's actually a good term to use because when people hear automatically, there is a magic to it <clears throat> that's implied and there's, there's a power there that they assume. So that, that in and of itself can really be leveraged just, you know, hearing you say that. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of automations. Uh, I use a lot of, a lot of automations. I'm sure you do too. And you know, I don't think entrepreneurs like you and me, and, and I think your audience, we want more freedom. We want more independence and automation seems to be, the path there. I also think in business, you work with people, you got to choose to work with ideal clients. In my, in my case, like a great business is the one where you love working with your clients mm -hmm. and to totally automate them out of your reach uh, is not my approach to business. But um, with speaking, it is a super fast, accelerated trust um, experience where they don't know you before you start speaking and you get to know that they, they get to know you, they hear your story and you connect with them. It's a very powerful way to build new relationships. Mm. What, what happened to me is I came to Canada. I didn't know anybody. I fell in love with a woman on a spice tour in Zanzibar, Tanzania. When I was visiting my friend in Africa, she lived in Canada. I lived in Japan. We fell in love and I said, I'm moving to Canada. And I did. And I did not know a single person in Canada. And I went from zero to 10,000 contacts, one speech at a time. I would do these speeches. And it's the fastest way for me to grow my network. And I found that I got all these clients, coaching clients, consulting clients, training clients from the speeches, kind of accidentally. I didn't really have any strategy to it. But then I built a strategy that's very laser specific on saying, who's my ideal client? Where do I want to speak? How many times do I want to speak? What kind of income do I want to generate? And what sort of lifestyle do I want to create from all that? And by the way, quick plug for the book, Expert Speaker on Amazon, or you can get it for free, expertspeakerbook.com. Actually teaches you how to do this all in five steps. Nice. Get it for free. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your book. When, when you put that together, what was the, the primary motivator? I mean, was that about something that clients would read as a supplemental piece? Is that for anybody to dive in? Like what stage of, of expertise should someone be at when they dive into that book? Great question. So this book is written with one person in mind. My audience for this book is lasered to a single person. And that is a functional medicine doctor who wants to build a remote health practice who wants to have multiple six figures and speak and work with their ideal client. So I had this one specific client in mind and I wrote the perfect book for her. That was my thought process through this book. But to, for anybody who's not that one person who's listening right now, if you are, um, if you are wanting to do speeches and make money, this is a strategy that is very profitable to speak and make money if you have a product or service to sell. So what I, what I do is I basically tell my story. When I started 12 years ago, 
I didn't know how to make money speaking. I just knew that I wanted to be a professional speaker. I didn't really know what that meant, but I wanted to travel. I wanted to give speeches, motivate audiences, and I wanted to be a motivational speaker. And the only way I knew how that would work is if someone paid me to give a speech, pays for my flight, pays for my hotel, pays for me to give a speech, and like I actually have some money left over at the end would be nice. And so I tried that for years and I ended up speaking at high schools and colleges. I spoke at conferences. I ended up doing 350 paid speaking engagements, but it was never really a business that really could scale well. Because every time you speak, you got to travel and you got to get on a plane and it takes multiple days. So that was the business that I built to six figures until my baby was born five years ago, little Ruby. And then I said, geez, I don't want to be traveling and doing that. And I thought I had to like hang up my hat. But then I discovered webinars and podcasts are like speaking for audiences now and in the future and into, you know, the end of time until the end of the internet. <laughs> so it's a very, very uh, interesting paradigm shift. And for me, the lifestyle underneath it all is I love to travel. I love to travel and get paid to travel and to do paid speaking engagements. But I also love to travel to have a profitable business that I can travel with my family and run from anywhere, which is my, my speaking business is completely location independent. So this book shows how to take the five steps to use speaking as a strategy to build your business. So the five steps are audience, offer, speech, stages, and monetize. Audience is who do you want to speak to? This would be your ideal client that you'd like to attract to your business, the person who want, you want to buy your services and products. Audience, number one. Step two is offer. What do you want them to buy? Step three is speech. What is the speech that is going to get them to buy the thing that you want them to buy? So audience offers speech, steps one, two, and three. Step four is stages. Where do you want to speak? And there's a fundamental shift that happens, that happened for me. I used to think that in order to get speaking engagements, you just have to be this super awesome person. And when you're super awesome and you've got all some awards and achievements, people discover you and they ask you to speak on their stages at their events. And that's how you get speaking engagements is by being super awesome. So my, my strategy literally was like to try to get to more awesome. So I wrote a book and I tried to win awards and I like tried to become more awesome, but that's not really actually how you can consistently get speaking engagements. You can consistently get speaking engagements through an outbound marketing and sales strategy campaign and i call this the stage getting campaign so this is step four so steps one two and three are audience offer speech step four is stages which is the stage getting campaign to consistently and predictably get speaking engagements mm -hmm. and step five is monetize monetize is how to maximize the revenue and opportunities and partnerships that come from every time you give a speech every time you give a speech you get a huge flood of opportunities because a whole bunch of people just discover who you are and you're pretty darn awesome because you gave a great speech. So those are the five steps you can get in the book, expertspeakerbook.com. Cool. I'm curious, um, how, and I don't know if this is the book or, or your business, do you ever go into people like the, the negotiation of the speaking deal? Totally. Um, I'm sorry? Totally. Yeah, because I, I imagine for some people, it's okay to sell your products on stage and even have products in the back of the room, whether you personally have them or not. Whereas others, you know, you've got to be on brand and you can't be pushing your agenda in their eyes. Uh, I'm assuming like, you know, there's, there's certain events in certain industries where there's faux pas and things are frowned upon and other things it's just kind of like expected. And I'm wondering, you know, your, your best advice for people to navigate those waters and make sure they're making good decisions and negotiating with their best foot forward. Dude, great insight, great question. There are certainly norms and expectations and frameworks of thought to best succeed in this negotiation conversation. So first of all, everybody's busy. So if you're gonna try to set up some partnership, it's like, you gotta make this easy for them you got to make this uh, a win for them. So if it's going to be you're speaking at their event, or you're going to you're asking maybe can I make a pitch? Can I make an offer? Or they say to you no selling. What do you do? So let's start with when they say there's no selling, don't sell. But give when you can't sell, give give a lead magnet, give a free strategy session, give 
an opportunity to enter in a draw. So I never leave home without, if I'm going to give a speech, I'm going to give out, um, I, used to, I used to pass out papers. I don't do it anymore. I used to pass out an order form where it's just name, email, phone number, and like check a box. Yes, I'm interested in following up with Majid. Or instead of check a box, put in your credit card information and buy, let's say, an online course or something. So that's when you have the opportunity to make an offer. But when you don't make an offer, you always want to get their contact information and give them something. So how you negotiate that is you say, you know, I'm, I, I, I personally don't recommend asking permission. Is it okay if I let them email me? It's like, I'm going to give them the opportunity to follow up with me. What I do is I give them, um, I give them a link to make an appointment with Calendly. Mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's the same scheduling software. I forget if you use Calendly or not. It's a very super simple scheduling software. I do it right on the spot in the middle of my speech, book a time right now. That's my lead capture personally. It used to be pass out a piece of paper, write stuff down, but you don't want to make the audience uncomfortable. So there's a lot of ways to do this wrong. And there's a couple ways to do it in a really classy way that feels like the audience is very fortunate to get the opportunity to engage with you like this. Got it. Got it. Um, going a little bit even deeper, um, still on the subject of negotiation, is it a thing where there's a back and forth of like who pays for the flight and, and fees and things like that? Or is it kind of like there's a pre-established where the person pitching themselves or the person who's taking you is the one that sets the terms or throws out the first terms? Like what for someone that's completely new to this and doesn't want to seem like an amateur going in, what should they expect in that kind of conversation and where should they in, like put themselves into that? Great question. So we're talking about speaking fee. We're talking about is travel included? What's the protocol with the flights and the hotels? Mm -hmm. And the answer philosophically for me is buyers like to buy how buyers like to buy. So let the buyer buy. And there is a buyer who has their own money in their own pocket. And then there's the buyer who's spending someone else's money. They're two very different conversations, very different thought processes. So if you're speaking at a conference where a company is putting on a conference and there's someone assigned with the event planning and they have a budget, they don't care if they spend, in fact, their job is to spend the whole budget. They can't underspend the budget. They're not, they're not incentivized to save. They're in fact incentivized to make sure they spend the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So your job is just to help them move that budget from their bank account into your bank account. Their number one priority is to not get fired. And mm -hmm. the way they do that is they make safe bets and their strategy to not get fired is to make sure their boss stays happy. So when you think in their mindset, how are they gonna pick you? Why are they gonna pick you? You have to be the lowest risk option. So that's, I got a whole, uh, I got a whole couple different scripts I share in the book. If you like, I won't dive that deep right now, but I'll go back to what's normal standard on protocol on uh, uh, flights and accommodation. Most, most of the time, um, large organizations, they have travel um, teams that they can set up that stuff for you. Smaller organizations, they prefer that you either um, give, give them a travel inclusive pricing. So you say, you know, here's my fee, includes everything, travel, et cetera. You give them a travel, travel inclusive price. Smaller organizations, that tends to be a preference. But you can, offer, um, you can offer two prices, one being they cover travel and the other price being travel inclusive. Mm -hmm. So, this is my recommendation on how to, how to quote the right price. You'll get this call that says, hey, we, we're considering having you as our speaker. What's your fee? You'll get that call or you'll get that email. It's a terrible question. But, you know, that's the event planner or that's the client trying to figure out how to hire you. Right. They think they want you but they want at least that one piece of information. And if your fee is so high that they can't afford you, then there's no conversation to be had anyway. So now you're in this paralyzed state. You've got this email and you go, well, crap, what do I say? Because I would like to be the speaker at this event, 
Yes, I would like to go. Yes, I would like to be VIP plus plus superstar status. Yes, I would like to do this speech. Yes, I would like to get paid. How about you just pay me the money that you have? But then if you ask them, well, what's your budget? They go, well, what's your fee? <laughs> you know, they don't really want to give up that information. So what do you do? Well, if you say a number, you already lost. If, you are, if you're not in a position where you have so many speaking opportunities come to you that you're turning them away, then if you say a number, you've already lost because you've cut down the likelihood of a yes significantly because you're either too high or you're too low. Right. Because if you're too low, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess you're not that good. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. Buddy of mine quoted $5,000, which is not too shabby for a, you know, a 60 minute keynote, quoted $5,000 and he didn't get it. And he followed up and he said, why uh, could you give me any feedback? You know? And they said, yeah, well, we were really looking for more of a $10,000 speaker. <laughs> and he, you know, he was like, um, I'm sorry, I, I, I can accommodate. Uh, <laughs> exactly. To accommodate that. <laughs> And so this is what I recommend. I like to uh, engage this conversation to bias the outcome towards, yes, let's have you as the speaker, which sometimes may mean that I'm willing to do what other speakers are not willing to do. Sometimes may mean that I'm able to demonstrate so much additional strategic value that I can really help them make a successful outcome for their event, because that's your job as a speaker. Mm -hmm. to make the event a success and they have their own priorities and goals right so i this is my script i say they ask me how much what do i charge i say i'm happy to work within your budget why don't we find out if i'm the right fit speaker for the event first and then we can work within your budget does that sound like a good plan they say sure and then I say, so let's say you hire me and people come up to you after my speech. So, so I deliver my speech and they come up to you and they say, that was the best speaker we've ever had. Thank you so much for bringing that speaker in. And then all of the wonderful things that you want to happen from your event, from this speech happen. And over the next year, you look back and you think that hiring me as the speaker was the best decision you ever made. What would have to happen between now and a year from now for you to feel that bringing me in as the speaker was the best decision you ever made? Super long and convoluted question, but what happens is they imagine bringing me in, they imagine it going well, they imagine their strategic outcomes, and then they tell me them. Mm -hmm. And I say, perfect, well, let's do that. <laughs> yes, perfect. I love it. Let's do that. And now we have a shared vision of success which is why, Andrew, before I got on this call with you, I said, Andrew, what would make today's podcast a wildly successful outcome for you? Which is, that's the language I use for you to imagine successful podcasts together. Mm -hmm. Because I do think of this as a stage. And so you've experienced my, what I say and do before the speech, which you mentioned at the top of our podcast. Thank you very much for that feedback, by the way. So my job is to be the most valuable speaker to the event planner because they hire you before they see your speech. They don't watch your speech and then hire you. Right. They have this conversation. They look at the title. Rarely will they actually see the speech that you're going to give before they hire you. So I'll work within your budget. Let's make sure I'm the right speaker. Then I go back to budget and they say, uh, so I say, would you like to share with me? the financial parameters you'd like us to work with them. You hear that us and sharing, we're already a team here. Would you like to share the financial parameters that you'd like us to work with them? And then they're just gonna say the budget number. Or would you like to share with me a range that you would like to keep our budget within? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, my budget's 2,500 bucks. And then you say one of two things. You say, I can work with that. I can work with that. That works for me. Done. Or you could say this. This is uh, seeing if there's any opportunity to add more value or receive more value. You can say, look, $2,500 is a great budget. And uh, for someone at my level, if you want to toot your own horn, you could say for someone at my level, uh, you wouldn't get the quality of speaker that I can bring to you. 
my fee is actually $5,000 or my fee is actually $10,000. However, I did say I'll work within your budget. So why don't we do this? You've got 2,500 cash. I don't have to accept my full fee in cash, but we have 7,500 remaining that I'd like to make up in value. I'll tell you what I value. I value video, high quality video of my speech that I can use for future marketing purposes. I value photos of me speaking on stage. If we can get a professional photographer and videographer, I think that'd be great. And you, of course, can keep the video and share it on your social medias and it'll be a great win-win. Also, I really value referrals. And if you would be willing to make three specific phone calls to three specific people following the speech that you think might be interested in working with me, those three things, the video, the photos, and the three referrals, that's worth $7,500 to me. So you got yourself a $10,000 speaker for only 2,500 bucks. If you can throw in those things, does that sound like a good plan for you? How's that sound to you? And so now I'm just seeing, can I get photos? Can I get videos? Can I get referrals? And I'm making them feel like they're getting a $10,000 speaker. And I'm saying, all right, we're working with your 2,500 bucks. And I'm going to turn that $2,500 speech into a $50,000 to $100,000 revenue day for me because I know how to use those opportunities to drive more clients to my business. Uh, quick question. Are they paying for the photographer or are you? Oh, I mean, I'm trying to negotiate them paying for the photographer. Mm -hmm. Cool. If they can bring in a photographer, a videographer, and give me referrals, that's about as valuable as a speech can be. And that value is worth more than the $2,500 cash. Understood. Um, by the way, I wish <laughs> this is so brilliant. I think everyone listening, even if they're not into public speaking, you just put on a clinic on negotiation that they should play back like 50 times. Uh, so you much brilliance in go, there. You told me to go high value. You yeah, said, man. You that value in there. <laughs> You, you are not messed around. Last question about this, just because we're on the topic. And again, let's, let's satisfy the people that are wondering about how this really goes. Is this something where payment is due beforehand? Is it half up front? Like what is an, an industry standard or expectation, if any? Great question. Don't get on a plane if they haven't already paid you. Hmm. Don't give up the day on the calendar if they haven't already paid you. See, you got 365 days on the calendar. Think of it like you got a shelf full of soup cans, 365 soup cans, and when you give one away, you don't get it back. Yeah. That's your inventory. You only, that's your inventory. So when someone buys a day on your calendar, they gotta pay. And so you could do half now and half on delivery. Now, there, there may be some, some clients out there that say, um, we don't want to pay until after you deliver the speech. I don't, I don't take those opportunities. I don't think that's very common. To me, it's not a serious engagement if they haven't made uh, a financial commitment. And, and right. I, also, I, I take full responsibility to let them know that and to collect payments so that they know that they have the date. Because I'm within my right to, to cancel a date if I haven't been paid. But if they're, you know, so this is, this is how I operate and this is what's the norm in my experience is that you either pay half now and half upon completion of the speech or, and this is what I do, is I incentivize full payment up front with a discount of 10%. Got it. I love it. So, and I, my philosophy is you make the payment as easy as possible for them. So if they want to make credit card payment, if they want to wire it to you, if they want to write you a check, whatever is easy. Let the buyer buy how the buyer likes to buy. Let the buyer buy with the process that they have. Understood. I love it. Um, I know we're running out of time. I want to quickly ask you, I know you wrote three books. Yeah. You can tell me real quick, um, remind us, because the book you just talk, spoke about, I think it's worth buying just for those scripts, even if you don't care about public speaking. Give me the name yeah. of that book one more time, please. Expert Speaker, Five Steps to Grow Your Business with Public Speaking. You can get the book for free at expertspeakerbook.com. Beautiful. Yeah, so I've written three books. The first one was co-authored. Uh, it's called Winning at Life. And my mentor, expert speaker, professional speaker, Bob Yurichuk, um, sales pro, has this great process, 12-step uh, goal setting and discipline process that we integrated to an, a younger audience, like a high school, college audience. So it's basically a goal setting lifestyle design 
book. And that's been my, that was my, like really my original um, message in my speaking career 12 years ago was I'd go to high schools and colleges and talk about entrepreneurship and freedom and lifestyle design and goal setting. And so that was book number one. Book number two is called The Small Business Trap, which you can get on Amazon, The Small Business Trap. And subtitle is why most entrepreneurs work too hard, earn too little and can't grow their business. And it is basically a strategy for living the ultimate lifestyle of freedom um, and basically clarifying what you want and getting what you want with your business. So I'm big on lifestyle business, freedom, travel. For me, travel is the priority. Um, <clears throat> and so you can design that from the ground up. That's the small business trap. And then the third book is Expert Speaker, How to Grow Your Business with Public Speaking. Beautiful. Um Majid, you, you gave a website already, but just in case that's not the one, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to hire you or they want to learn from you or they just want to connect? Yeah, you can just connect with me by email at majid at expertspeaker.com. Expertspeaker.com is our website. Majid is M-A-J-E-E-D at expertspeaker.com. If you would like to book a strategy session with me, I do them complimentary for people who are entrepreneurs who want to grow their business, with a signature speech and a stage getting campaign to attract their ideal clients. So if you're a coach, if you're a doctor, if you are a, we work with consultants, coaches, doctors, um, service providers, typically with high ticket sales. So go to expertspeaker.com slash apply and book a complimentary strategy call with me, expertspeaker.com slash A-P-P-L-Y. Good. It's been a pleasure to be here, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Majin McGarbon, you are a brilliant man. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Thank you so much for being here. I think I, I almost, I say this so much, and but I always mean it. I think you delivered so much gold here that some of it is obvious and some of it's so subtle that if people would just listen and apply what you said to public speaking or other business ventures, they would be very, very pleasantly surprised. I think you just gave people a lot of tools in less than an hour to make a lot of money. So on behalf of my audience, uh, thank you for being here on Shattered a Mold, man. You, you've done, this is amazing, man. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And that's another episode in the can, guys. Hoping you like that one. You know, uh, if you haven't done so already, now would be the perfect time to pull out your phone, hit that subscribe button, and while you're at it, leave a quick, honest, written review. In fact, if you didn't love the content from today. I I don't know what to tell you, but I do want to hear from you either way so that I know that I'm taking the right direction. Uh, this content that I'm putting out here, it's very important that I'm always giving you the tools that you need to succeed and do better in your life and in your business. So give a shout out. Let me know what you think. With that said, that's all I've got for you today. You guys have a great one, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www shatterthemoldpodcast.com My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan and it's time to shatter the mold.